0: we are listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, once again. I probably already told you that at least twice this morning, but uh, I get to preach today once again. I'll use the same joke. Rob keeps letting me do this; he never learns his lesson. I'm so sorry. Um but we're, we're back at it again. We are in the story of Abraham still, continuing through our series of the partner that God pursues, looking at the character and the story of Abraham and who God chooses to be his kind of first man in the game, if you will. So just for a quick recap for where we've been now, keep in mind all of these that I mentioned, you can go back and you can check out on either our our podcast or you can look back since we've been recording all of these, you can look back and watch them on the same YouTube channel that you're watching this one on. Um, so just a reminder, you can go check those out if you missed one or if you want to go re-review any of these. So the first week we started this off and it was called two hits and a miss. And the overall thing that we saw was that the partner that God pursues is roughly right. We were introduced to Abraham who behaves a little different from what we would expect. He looked a little strange. We heard about God's promise to Abraham. This was the first time we heard about this promise that he would be, he would father a great nation. Abraham gets some stuff right uh, sets up some altars and stuff. And then he gets some stuff wrong. He goes to He goes to Egypt. He swings, he misses it, screws up. But despite that, God takes the lemonade or the lemons and he makes some lemonade for, for it. Um, and Abraham leaves with all kinds of goodies. And then we saw the next week, you know, he, the partner that God pursues is sacrificially generous and values family He fights for family because he has to give up lot and he he values lot. And then he chases after him. And you can go back and check that out in week two. We hear God's promise to Abraham again that week, the second time. And then the week three, we had frank and honest conversations. We talked about the blood path covenant. We saw this covenant that God makes because we hear about this description of God's promise to Abraham that he's going to make him the father of a great nation We saw that the partner that God pursues is authentic. He lives authentically. He's honest and vulnerable. We saw God go through the blood path twice. And then last week, uh, Rob talked about the stranger. What we saw here is that the partner that God pursues will work for unity and diversity. And Rob hit us with a pretty challenging message. Um, If you weren't challenged by it, you need to go back and listen to it again because you missed it. Apparently it was challenging. It should hit you square in the chest. Um, You should feel it. If you got a pulse, Abraham takes the promise into his own hands, into his own timing. He has a kiddo with Hagar and, uh, and then Sarai and Hagar, they have some conflict because they're diverse, they're different, but we learned that they're kind of the same and God sees everyone at the end of this. Once again, I encourage you, go back and review these. Go back and catch this if you missed it. Because all of these things that we've been talking about are going to stack on top of each other. Because here in week five, and what we're calling the, 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 the sermon here is that it's uh, skin in the game, And side note for Rob, who's trying to listen on the headphones back there for the monitor, you're not going to hear it because I turned off the headphones for monitoring. If you're seeing the light, then it is recording. (laughs) This is the joys of us recording this on a, you know, in the afternoon here in the office by ourselves. (laughs) But we're calling this skin in the game. Okay. What we're going to see today is that the partner that God pursues is still roughly right. I'm not one for spoilers in movies, but I'm going to spoil this for you. That's what we're going to see today. It's going to go a bit further this time though. So let's go ahead and jump in. Let's dive in and read the story. This is coming out of Genesis 17. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram, Abram, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. It's not Abraham yet. Sorry, spoiler warning. This is, so, this is so hard for me because the name changes in this story. And so now I'm just all confuddled. Avram was 99 years old and the Lord appeared to Avram and said to him, I am, the, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Avram fell on his face. Notice that his first response is to fall on his face to worship when God speaks to him. I don't know. You can take that. That's a little little extra side bit. You can do without what you will. <clears throat> and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Avram, but your name shall be Avraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. We're going to talk about the name changes in footnotes this week a little bit more. <clears throat> A little bit of interesting stuff going on there. And God continues, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you, the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for their everlasting possession. And I will be their God. And God said to Avraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. little repetition might be some chiasms in there. You could go look for them. both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And God said to Avraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Once again, we'll talk about this a little bit more in footnotes. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her, by her. This is coming off the tail of Genesis 16, where we just saw him, this whole problem with Hagar. And having a son through there because they weren't sure how they're going to do it. And God specifies, no, I will give you a son by her, by Sarah. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? <laughs> Like he fell he falls on his face, but he's also kind of chuckling to himself. Cause this seems pretty unlikely. Although he did just have a son at eighty seven. So I don't thirteen years. What's 13? I mean if you're I don't know if you're eighty seven versus a hundred. I don't know, somebody who's smarter than me. Maybe we'll ask uh, Jennifer Bartlett about the, the likelihood of that. But uh I don't know. Nonetheless, he's chuckling. He's chuckling here. His wife, who's 90 years old, can she have a child? And Avraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, no, but Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting, everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and I will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes and I will make him into a great nation, but I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, And all those born into, oh, and all those born in the house or bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day. God had said to him, Abraham, uh, as God had said to him, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Avraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. <clears throat> and, the men, and all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from, in, from a foreigner were circumcised with him, everybody. <laughs> then the Lord said to Avraham, <clears throat> "Oop, name changes back there. That's a little weird. No, for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. Wait, Uh, they will be afflicted 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. I feel like that. Yeah, that last bit was from last week. That's not actually in 17. Like that seems wrong. What, What sort of translation are we using back here? I have to make fun of my slide guy this week. That's okay. 17 ends, and all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. All right. Did I mention we were talking about roughly right this week? I'll never tell if that was on purpose or not. Discuss in care group. All right. So, what just happened other than us screwing up the slides? <laughs> Avram has just made a bit of a mess with Hagar. God still uses him though. This is the fourth time. This is the fourth time that God's promise gets brought up. And it's more detailed this time. He gets a name for this son that he's going to have. He questions God. We see a little bit of chutzpah again. Like, yeah, he's worshiping. He falls face down, but he's also having a chuckle. Like, I don't know the last time you chuckled at God. I, that seems pretty, pretty problematic maybe. <clears throat> but this is the fourth time. And there's more detail. We get a name for the son. He gets a specific timeline. He's like this time next year, Sarah is going to have this kid who's going to be named Isaac. And my covenant will be through him, not through Ishmael. Yeah. I'm going to bless that kid, but Isaac's the one. It's more detailed. We get a name change. What's in a name, but let's be honest Avram doesn't look very different from you or me at this point. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago, I talked about, you know, he grows into this giant of the faith. I don't know if he's there yet. He just like, we just had this story with Hagar that they created a whole muddled mess and it involved the Egyptian slave. It's like Egypt is his stumbling block here in some ways. I don't know if he looks that different from us. He's still... Not perfect. But what we see in this story is God is giving him more responsibility to push Abraham to grow. We see another covenant. We see another covenant. The blood path covenant that we saw before. Avram doesn't really do too much. If you remember, he 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 cuts some stuff in half and he sets it up, but then when it comes time for him to take his part of it and walk through, he kind of stalls out. So Avram doesn't do much in that story. God, on the other hand, does do much. He goes through twice. Once again, go back and listen to that sermon. But in this covenant, where we see God implement the sign of circumcision. Abraham now has something to do. What we see in circumcision is that God is expecting a little bit more from Abraham as Abraham understands a little bit more of the game plan. He gets more details about how this is going to go down and God's providing them. He's not demanding them or taking them into his own. Like this is what we're seeing in the story God's taking the lead. Abraham's following and he's getting a little bit more responsibility. This time, Abraham is carrying around the sign of the covenant, literally walking around with it. He's a walking sign of the covenant, him and all of his house. Rob just flicked something at me and I'm very confused. (laughs) Oh, we're having fun. This time Abraham's covering and carrying it around. And if you don't, and if you don't take on the sign of the covenant, then you are cut off from the promise. Abraham gets to take some ownership. Now, what we see here, what we see here is, I feel like Abraham is roughly writer. Okay, we can call it this. He's roughly writer. You get to see that he has a little more skin in the game. Because if you remember back to week one, the partner that God pursues is roughly right. Yeah, he does some stuff right, he does some stuff wrong. In this case, <clears throat> he's done some stuff that wasn't quite right. He thought he he thought this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to have a, a son through Hagar. And then the next story we learn, no, 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 that wasn't quite what you were supposed to do. That's going to create problems later on, probably. It's going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue. But everything that we talked about in that first week is still, still applicable. God still decides to use him, even though he's screwed up here. Even though he's not perfect, God partners with him and Abraham is faithful. He circum the first thing he does, he circumcises him and all of his household. Covers it all. <clears throat> Everything we talked about in that first week though, still applies to being roughly right. What roughly right is it, it gives you permission to try. It gives you permission to fail. And it gives you permission to dream, and, but it doesn't give you it doesn't give you any permission to do a subpar effort or to be lazy or to just sit on your haunches, right? It doesn't give you that. In week five, here in in, in Genesis seventeen, Abraham is still roughly right. He still has permission to try. He still has permission to fail. He still has permission to dream, but he still doesn't get to sit on the sidelines. And maybe even more so, there's more expected of him now. There's more expected of him. So there's this pattern. There's this pattern because there's another level to roughly write. So Rob, if you want to pull up that first, our first Graphic. I've I've really I've outdone myself this week uh, with the graphics. This is just I'm gonna get awards for this. <sighs> Look out, Picasso. So when we're following when we're following God, the partner that God pursues decides to follow God, and then what we see is he gets changed by God, and then we see him align with the mission of God. And this might this might call might tweak some things in your mind. We've talked about this sort of verbiage before, and this might call you back to maybe something that Jesus said. We'll get there in a minute. See, cause there's another level to roughly write because if you're trying and you're failing and you're dreaming and you're getting your hands dirty, AKA not sitting on the sidelines, but you're getting in the game. If you're doing that, then you're going to grow. And what we see in Abraham is he's growing. If you compare to the beginning of the story to now, God keeps giving him a little bit more and he's becoming a little more faithful because I don't know, I, I don't know at the beginning. Yeah, he, he left his homeland and he, he wandered off, but I don't know if he would have circumcised himself and all of his family. That seems like, that seems like a big deal. Um, seems like that it's not a small thing to do. I feel like what we've seen is Abraham is slowly learning to trust God more. And God acknowledges that, I think, with the name change a little bit. But if you're doing these things, then you're going to grow. And inversely, if you aren't growing, then you aren't doing at least one of these things. Take that, ponder that one. That might hit home. See, cause this, this following being changed and being on mission should remind us of what Christ said in Matthew four nineteen, where he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is a guiding principle for us here. We make a big deal out of this here. We make a big deal ab- about this call. This is what discipleship looks like. It's following him, being changed by him, and then being on mission with him. That's what we see in this verse. He literally says, follow me. So we got to follow Christ. And then I will make you, I will make you. And that, that implies that there's change that occurs, that you're growing, that he's going to do some sort of work in your life. There's going to be development that occurs. We saw development in Abraham. We continue to see development in Abraham. Interesting to make note, the call happens to follow. And then, then you're going to go through the growth and I will make you. It's not the other way around. And then it ends with the fishers of men. Which is the beyond mission. Christ's call is for us to make disciples, to be fishers of men. This is to be on mission with Him. And the more you mature in your relationship with God, the more is expected of you. The more growth you go through, the more responsibility. You will take on that, that becoming a fisher of men, that being on mission continues to grow. And so really I had that graphic up there earlier, but really it looks a little bit more like this because you start off following Christ and then you're changed by Christ and you align with the mission Of Christ, But guess what? As soon as you do that and you feel comfortable in that, God's going to say, he's going to be like, all right, you did good there. Now, now come follow me here. And then you get to go through the pattern again. It's really not a one and done sort of thing. You don't ever get to stop. You don't ever arrive. Maybe some glad morning when you get to go home, maybe that's arrival. I I don't know, but I don't think you ever really arrive. This is a process that just continues and you keep growing in your relationship. You keep going deeper into relationship with God. You grow closer to Christ. You draw nearer to him and you, become to, you begin to look more and more and more and more like him the further you go down the path. And it just keeps cycling around and around and around and around. I feel like some of us, we get done with one revolution and then we kind of pause maybe we pause for a long time that's that's not what we're supposed to do we're supposed to keep following cuz Christ's mission isn't done in our lives you don't arrive The more you mature in your relationship with God, the more is expected of you. What that means is I'm never not roughly right. I never get to a place where I get everything right, where I don't screw up. Like, ah, I know how to do this stuff. It's like playing a video game and you keep going up to the next level and you never get to a place where you're just done leveling up. I have to constantly find new and exciting ways to screw things up is the way I look at it. I have to always be roughly right. I always have to find new ways to fail because that's what Abraham learns from the experiences, but then he goes on and makes new mistakes. And then he learns from those and then he grows and then he moves on to the next thing. And then he moves on to the next thing. And this is what we're called to do. This is, this is what God wants us to do if we're going to partner with his mission. So as you mature and make disciples and you grow and you go through this and you get on mission with God, and then you, you walk out that mission and then you, you, he calls you somewhere else and he calls you to follow him in new and exciting ways. As you do this, as you make disciples, you get the pleasure of being a leader. Yes, You. Every single one of you, if you are going to follow Christ, you get the pleasure of making disciples and you get the pleasure of being a leader. I say that maybe a little snark creeping into my voice See, because this, this sermon might hit home for me a little bit. This might, this might, I might be preaching to myself as much as I am to the empty room here. Um, I'm preaching to me and Rob currently, but the rest of you also. But like, this might be smarting a little bit. God might be having a chuckle with me. We're not sure. We'll see as we end, as as we work our way through this. See, part of being a leader, part of making disciples, part of walking through this and having other people follow behind you in this process, part of this is that you have to put certain things away you, you, you can't, you have to leave things behind and you have to pick other things up. We saw this with Abraham. He had to leave behind his homeland, right? He had to sacrifice and give things up. He had to take on other things. He had to, he had to give up his thought of having his nephew be his lineage, right? Right? He has to give up these things. He has to let go of things. And he also has to take on other aspects. He has to take on circumcision, which is a sacrifice kind of in its own right. But nonetheless, we'll say that's taking on something. He has to put on the yoke of circumcision, if you will. What this does in my mind, at least, we'll see if you track with me, is it takes me to 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 24. where in the ESV, it says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Now, I think the NIV says, not all things are benefit, or all things are lawful, but not all things are permissible, but not beneficial. That might, that's another translation. It might be NIV. Can't remember, but you've heard this before. Sometimes we turn this into a a kind of a little Christianese sort of like, Oh, throw that verse out. Right. What does this mean though? I think what this means in the aspect of leadership in the aspect, aspect of following God and being on mission with him, being changed by God, is as I grow in leading people and you are leading people, you are leading people. As I grow leading people, as you grow in leading people, I have to grow in my wisdom of what I decide to put down and pick up. Maybe, maybe that means that you don't get to share the meme that you think is hilarious. You don't get to tell the joke that you think is hilarious because while yeah, it might be permissible, might not be beneficial, might not build up. It might mean that you have to bite your tongue and sacrifice some of your rightness that you can't, you can't take part in that argument. You have to sit back and say, nope, nope, not going to go there. Maybe it means that you get to have tough, uncomfortable conversations with someone or put boundaries on a relationship because of your position. Maybe it means that you have to abide by the rules that you don't agree with or that you think are stupid or unfair or crazy because of the story that your actions will tell or could tell. They could be perceived by somebody. In Corinthians, they're talking, if I remember correctly, I think they're talking about idle meats at this point. nothing wrong with it, but it might tell the wrong story. And so you have to wrestle with, am I going to do this? Even though, yes, I'm free in Christ to do whatever, but because I'm, because I'm a servant of Christ, I'm going to not do that because I'm a leader, because there are people that I am influencing because there are people that you are influencing you're not going to do that. You need to choose not to do that. I'll tell you every single one of these examples that I just listed off not sharing the meme because it's hilarious, biting my tongue, uh, boundaries and uncomfortable conversations, uh, abiding by rules that I think are jackwagon crazy. Oh, and the last one maybe you need to lay down your safety because that's what it takes to care for others. Every single one of these I've wrestled with in the last three weeks. I just pulled out what was off the top of my head for this one. I don't like this sermon. This sermon kind of digs in. It's not comfortable. Because I don't want to give those things up. I don't want to bite my tongue. But because because I have people that look up to me and because you, you have people that look up to you. Every single one of you has influence over somebody. You might not think you might not even realize it, but you do. And if you follow Christ, you are now an image bearer of that. And yes, we get to be roughly right. But roughly right has this other level where it says you don't get to keep making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. You have to take the next step. That's where I I landed last time talking about roughly right was you have to take the next step because roughly right gives us permission. God partnering with someone who's not perfect gives us permission to take a swing and to miss But when you finally learn to hit the ball, you turn up the speed on the pitching machine. And you don't just sit there and say, whoop, missed again, whoop, missed again, because that's just sitting on the sidelines. And that's not what God is calling us to. So the implication today goes a little deeper because the partner that God pursues is roughly right and or yet owns the cost of growth because there is a cost to growth. We saw that with Abraham. There is a cost. There is a sacrifice to taking on this covenant that God is saying, yes, here's where you're going here's what it will cost you. You're now going to have to walk out your days, carrying the sign of my covenant, saying that you are going to live out this covenant, that you are a walking reminder of your destiny. There is a cost to growth. There is a cost to being on mission with Christ. There is a cost to being on mission with God. So the call to action, the call to action today, we've talked about this some. You probably could have guessed this. First one, get off the sideline. You are not following Christ. Say that again. You are not following Christ if you are stagnant. If you are sitting in a doldrum in your faith and you feel like you're just, I haven't grown. I haven't like, my faith's just kind of, it's just not going anywhere. I'm not being fed. Are you following or are you sitting and waiting? You have to get off the sideline. That That might hit a little hard, but That's what it is. Second, dream, try, fail, repeat. Because when you get off the sideline, the next step is to take a swing. This is the process for growth. Now, I will grant, I will give you I will give you this. Sometimes you don't fail. Abraham didn't fail every time. He got some stuff right. Savor those moments. Savor those moments. They are sweet. Then get back to the process. Because if I sit in the weight room, hypothetically, because the Lord knows I haven't been in the weight room for a while, but if I, if I were to sit in the weight room and all I did was curl five pound weights, even in my whew, exceedingly buff shape that I am in right now, I could manage some five pound weights. And if I just sat there and I curled those and I never moved up, are my muscles going to grow? Probably not. I'm going to stagnate. See, because the sideline isn't just the sideline. The sideline, if the game moves on down the field and I'm still back at the five yard line and everybody else is up at the 50, I might as well be on the sideline. Dream, try, fail, repeat. That's the process. That's the growth. That's how change happens. If you're gonna follow Christ, then you do that. And that's how you carry out the mission, which brings us to the last call to action, which is to pay the cost of discipleship. Being on mission with God is going to continue to require more and more of you. I'm not gonna. am not gonna stand here and sugarcoat it and say, "Oh yeah, no, following Christ is easy. It's not. It's not." That first step might be, might be incredibly hard. Some of the steps might be easy. The cost, though, is incredibly high. In the end, it continues to get harder and harder, but you continue to grow stronger and stronger in him. So don't be scared by this. Don't hear that. Don't hear like, oh man, this is gonna be too hard for me because it's not. Because through Christ, I can do all things, right? Sounds cliche, but it's true. It's in the Bible for a reason. Being on mission with God will continue to require more and more of you. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be put in positions that you are going to have to sacrifice. And I don't say this because I see it in Abraham. I say this because I have walked that out. And I can tell you, this is what I have experienced. This is what I continue to experience. And this is what I'm pretty darn sure I'm going to continue experiencing, but I also stand here telling you that it's worth it and you should do it. Get off the sideline, dream, try, fail, repeat, and then pay the cost of discipleship and be encouraged knowing that you can be roughly right the same way that Abraham is roughly right. The ultimate cost of discipleship is to lay down your life. We saw Christ model this. And we celebrate this when we take communion. So there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends, right? When we take communion, we remember that he's come in. Christ has come in and he's paid that ultimate sacrifice. He has led the way he has shown us what this looks like in the perfect example of what it looks like to walk out the mission, to bring kingdom, to bring peace, to bring shalom. This is what we see. In Christ. And this is what we remember when we take communion. This is what we remember and we celebrate when we observe this sacrament, when we go through this liturgical step. We take this every week because it's an important reminder. It's that important, it's a sign of a covenant. This is a reminder of a covenant that Christ set up with us, a new covenant. So the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember that covenant today. And in the same way, He also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember the sacrifice that he led us in. Lord, I pray that this message today would resound in our hearts, would hit us square in the chest, and draw us closer to you. God, I thank you for the example of your Son, I thank you for the leadership and the guidance that he showed us. I thank you for the sacrifice that he made for us. Lord, I thank you that you would take imperfect people like Abraham or anybody else in the Bible with the exception of your son and that you would work through all of these roughly right people to bring about your kingdom. Lord, I thank you that you would take imperfect people like me and everybody else who is worshiping with me today and that you would work through us and that you would give us the opportunity to grow closer to you, to draw nearer to you, and to continue to be roughly right. That you don't require that of us. That you're okay with us swinging and missing. That all you desire is that we get in the game for you. Lord, I pray that we go into this week and that we wouldn't be afraid to swing and miss, that we would see the opportunities that you put before us and we would jump on them and that we wouldn't shy away from the sacrifices and the hard decisions, but that we would dig into those. We would lean into those as an opportunity to experience you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.